Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome to Mind, Body, and Business, a podcast that focuses on health, wellness, and mindset for positive change to improve your life inside and out. And here, our conversations are centered around mental clarity, physical fitness, and handling your business. I'm your host, Maria Moore, and in today's episode, I'll be sharing non-conventional ways to achieve your goals. You'll hear how I created my personal formula for success, doing the opposite of what I was told I needed to do, and you'll learn ways to think outside the box to live your best life. So let's jump into it. And I think the appropriate place to start is the foundation of limited thinking. Like, where did this come from? Who told me that I could only do something one way and why do I believe it? I'd say that we probably can trace that all the way back to our youth. A lot of our limited thinking is based on the opinions, morals, and beliefs of the people who raised us. You know, sometimes you got that paranoid mama or daddy that say, oh, don't go that way. Or you got to do this a certain way because of their own experiences. And so we live and we grow up with that and we embrace that as our standard. There's also this all or nothing attitude. Like if I'm not all the way 100% in, it doesn't count. So if I can't go all the way in, I'm going to do nothing. I see this a whole lot, especially when it comes to fitness goals and losing weight and exercising. You know, folks don't respect the walk around the neighborhood. That's not exercise. I got to go hard. Or they don't respect the fact that, you know, they're eating less cookies and less chips and less sodas every day. They want to go all the way, low carb, water only. And it's just not true. So I believe the first step in experiencing your breakthrough is to be open-minded and look beyond those limitations. One thing that I discovered in my own journey is that elevation requires exploration. And this means thinking outside of the box. And interestingly enough, I learned a lesson about thinking outside of the box from my puppy. So I just got my puppy like less than a year ago and I was already pretty open-minded, but my puppy actually gave me a visual. First of all, I don't know (laughs) what got into me. It made me feel like I wanted a puppy all of a sudden. Well, I do know. I think it's the fact that, you know, I have four kids, two of them are grown, Uh, The other two, one in elementary, one in middle school. And I I don't know if I was feeling like, oh, I miss like the baby days. Not saying that I see my puppy as a baby, but it's just something small and cute that I can cuddle. I have a little Shipu. Her name is Samisha Nicole Collins. That is her full government name. I love my puppy baby. And she's just great. She's been great ever since I got her. So when I first got the dog, um, and mind you, I have not had a dog since I was, oh my gosh, in single digits, like five, six years old. I had Sheba and Sparky when I was growing up in Detroit. Sheba was a big uh, German shepherd. I think every black family has had a German shepherd. And uh, Sparky was a Cocker Spaniel. I really didn't interact that much with the those two dogs, but I just remember them during my childhood growing up and petting them and playing with them, but they were like family dogs. So fast forward, grown woman, married with kids, and now decide that I want to have a puppy again. So um, it was a brand new experience for me. So of course, when I first got the puppy, cute little sheepoo, she would just 
fit in my hand and she was so cuddly. And if you own a dog, dogs are really great because they make you feel so loved. Like you can't do nothing wrong. They always happy to see you. Um, if you need a boost of self-confidence or you want to feel love all the time, get you a dog. Trust me. So Samisha Nicole Collins is now a part of the family. And naturally with a dog being in a new home, you think, okay, well, I need to set some parameters for this dog because what you're not going to do is be clawing on my couch and peeing on my carpet. You know what I'm saying? So we got a nice little cage and I was just committed to training this puppy. First day we put her in the cage and she like, okay, you know, she kind of walking around, you know, let her fill it out. And then I closed the door to the cage and she was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> she's like clawing at the corners. She's looking at every corner. She's looking at the top of the cage, at the bottom of the cage. Like, how do I get out of here? And then this little dog, like barely two months old at the time, she figured out how to use her nose and like unlatch the cage from inside of it. We discovered that when we decided to go out to a restaurant as a family. And I'm looking down at the puppy monitor and I see her, then she done found a way to get out the cage. So we're at a restaurant down the street. I'm rushing down the street to get back to the house because I'm like, oh, gosh, she's going to eat something off the floor and choke. You know, my mind just goes there. So I came back home and stayed with her and my family <laughs> continued to eat at the restaurant. Don't judge me. I'm just a crazy puppy mama. So I'm on um, YouTube and I'm looking up all of these videos like, OK, how to crate train a puppy. You got to make the cage appealing. Put some toys, put like a shirt that has your scent on it inside the cage. Make the puppy feel comfortable inside the cage. So I was like, cool, bet. Go on Amazon, go to the pet store, get all kind of toys, got one of my shirts, balled it up, put it in the corner. And so open a cage, she goes in there. Oh, cool. Mm, this smell like my mama. Yes. Oh, look at the cute little toy. I'm gonna play a little bit. Close the cage. Same thing. Clawing at the corners. And then this dog was like, oh, you're not going to let me out because I was trying to be hard and say, you know what? I hear you barking. I hear you whimpering. But girl, you about to stay in that cage, Sam Misha Nicole Collins. And so she said, cool. So this dog just started vomiting and she was vomiting stuff that I'm like, you didn't even eat nothing that looked like that. Like the puppy was literally having anxiety. So I go online again, like, okay, the toys and the, and the scented uh, garment did not work. And so here was another suggestion. They said, take a dog treat and go in the back of the cage, like put your finger through the cage with the dog treat, let the dog sniff it. She'll go inside the cage, let her associate treats with the cage. And I'm like, cool. So I did that a couple of times and she's like, oops, I, I smell my little gourmet treat. Mama, where is that? You know, so I'm in the back of the cage and she goes inside and then I close the cage. Same thing, vomiting, clawing, figuring out how she can escape this cage. After so many attempts to get this dog cage trained, I realized that no matter how attractive I made that cage, no matter how many of her treats, how comfortable I tried to make it, how appealing, how attractive I made that cage, it was still a cage. And this dog knew it. She said, I am trapped. I am limited. I am confined in this space and it doesn't make me feel good. No matter how hard you try to operate in a limited environment, whether that's a job that you are trying to pretend makes you happy and you're tolerating it, whether that is a relationship, you know, maybe you've been dating someone for a long time and you want them to commit 
and they keep making dating look attractive to you when you know a long-term commitment is what you want. Anytime that you conform, anytime that you allow yourself to be in a confined space, to limit your potential, no matter how attractive you make the situation, no matter how much you try to convince yourself that it's okay, it's not that bad. A cage is a cage and a cage is always gonna be a cage. So what I did for my dog, instead of trying to trap her in a cage, I said, let me figure out how to allow her to roam free and how to operate in the house to where she knows, okay, I don't pee on the carpet. I don't claw at the couch. And I decided to train her that way. And now when I leave the house, she knows how to roam freely. She knows how to behave herself. And she's just a happier puppy. Elevation requires exploration and you cannot explore when you are confined. When you have a limited mindset, when you tolerate circumstances that are making you miserable. And I truly believe that the root of this misery is limited thinking. Oh, I can't lose weight and eat the food that I love. That's just not allowed. And, you know, this way of thinking becomes magnified when we actually achieve results doing things the limited way, because traditionally that's how it works, right? You drink a lot of water, you limit your calorie intake, you lower your carbs, you exercise excessively, and then you lose weight. And that becomes your reference to achieve success. And I went through it myself, my first post-pregnancy weight loss transformation. Man, I was focused. I was lost. I was hungry and I had a bad attitude, but I lost a whole lot of weight and I felt like, you know, it was worth the sacrifice. But in hindsight, it definitely was not. Now, I can remember going out to eat with my family at Red Lobster. And, you know, even though I was trying to lose weight, I wasn't trying to make my family suffer with me, right? Even though I had a little funky attitude, wasn't very pleasant to be around, I still understood the importance of family outing. So everybody wanted to go to Red Lobster. And you know what they got at Red Lobster? Them Cheddar Bay Biscuits. And they are not stingy with them Cheddar Bay Biscuits. So the waitress comes and puts the biscuits on the table and my family everybody's grabbing the biscuits and so the biscuits are like floating past my nose and my face and I was really trying to practice self-control and I actually did but I specifically remember being in that restaurant rocking like I was in a rocking chair and I was singing we shall overcome I was trying to focus I literally had the jitters because I wanted a cheddar bay biscuit so bad but I was so determined to lose my baby weight and this went on for like three months low carb 1200 calories a day excessive exercise, a bunch of water, and I ended up losing 30 pounds. But I was miserable the whole time. And there's this awful misconception that success, happiness, good feelings, positive outcomes always require some type of physical, mental, or emotional sacrifice. And that is the saddest thing because we can lose so much time getting to the goal at the expense of our well-being. And I have several very specific examples of this. One, of course, was the extreme measures I took to lose my baby weight. And another has to do with my finances. So back in 2017, I decided to start my online wellness program and get really serious about personal training. And I did this while working my nine to five, my full-time radio job. And it was a really good situation for me because I was able to make a lot of money in my small business while working my nine to five. And this positioned me to pay off a lot of debt, save a whole lot of money and get myself to the point where I achieved financial freedom. But it came at the expense of my family time, 
of my self-care, of my sanity, of my sleep. And for a couple of years, the first couple of years of my business, I was just so obsessed. And that's what it was, obsession. Sometimes we use the word ambitious or driven when it's really obsession. And that's the space that I was in. You know, I recently read a story about Tiffany Haddish and she was talking about her girl's trip check. And we know that was like breakthrough role for her. And she revealed that she got paid $80,000 for that role, which I think is so cool because clearly she's making way more than that now. But yeah, she got $80,000 for that role. And she talked about how she took that $80,000 to pay off the balance of her mortgage. And, you know, a lot of people think, well, it's $80,000. Like, did you need to put all of it towards your mortgage? Could you not take a trip to celebrate? Could you not invest some of it, go shopping, celebrate your first breakthrough role? But she said that she did that 80000 She put it towards her mortgage to pay off her house because she had been homeless at one point in her life. And she was so afraid of being homeless again, not having anything. And she said, even though she makes more than enough now, she has a surplus, that fear still stays with her. And, you know, I was talking earlier about the root of limited thinking. And a lot of it has to do with, of course, how we were raised. But it also is tied to very dark moments in our life, times when we may have made mistakes or experienced failure. And I do recall times when my husband would ask me, man, baby, you know, why are you working so hard? Why are you starting a new project? Why are you working all of these extra hours? Why are you taking on more clients? I discovered that it also had to do a lot with my previous experiences and the limited thinking, the scarcity mindset that I had due to traumatic experiences when I was a single mother. And so before I got my big radio job in Atlanta, I was living in Florida. I was a single mom with two kids, taking care of them off of my single income. And man, I tell you, I went through it. I remember times when my lights got cut off, boiling water in the kitchen so that my kids could take a hot bath, lighting candles because my lights were out. I remember my car getting repossessed two times. The second time I went off, I went outside and my car was gone and I was looking around in the neighborhood like who stole my car? You know that scene in uh, White Man Can't Jump when Wesley Snipes' girlfriend came outside. She was like, I know somebody saw something. That's how I went outside. I was on that type of energy. Like, I know somebody stole my car. And I, I remember calling the police. And they're like, okay, well, we got to figure it out or whatever. And they said, well, was your car note up to date? And I said, well, you know, I'm about 45, 60 days behind. They said, ma'am, your car got repossessed. Get off my phone. And I was like, what? Yeah, so I was out there, no car, um, you know, really looking stupid, crying, figuring out what my next move was, nobody to call to help me out financially. And that experience had a deep impact on how I moved when I started my business and when I started making so much extra money and the scarcity mindset that I held on to, the fear of going back to that life and struggling and not having enough. So now the question is, what are ways to overcome limited thinking and self-doubt? How do you break the barrier? How do you free yourself from the fear of failure? And I can tell you, I learned a lot about this in therapy. One thing that really resonated with me that my therapist shared was um, the importance of how you self-identify. And he shared this story of a woman he knew 
She recently got divorced, and after her divorce, people would ask her, well, what's your relationship status? And she would say, I'm divorced. You know, um, she would meet somebody, what's your relationship status? I'm divorced. Fill out an application, I'm divorced. Two years go by, I'm divorced. Four years go by, I'm divorced. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, I'm divorced. Then finally by year 10, someone asked her, what is your relationship status? And she said, I'm single. How you self-identify has a huge impact on your self-confidence. Do you see yourself as a quitter, someone who doesn't have what it takes to get stuff done? Or are you a solver? Are you a finisher? Do you run away from a challenge or do you run through it? I have made so many mistakes in life and I'm sure you can relate to this. Mistakes personally, professionally, in my finances, in my fitness journey, And what I've learned is that beating myself up when I don't do something the right way, when I make a mistake, when I fail, is counterproductive. There's a quote that says, what you focus on grows. And I truly believe that the more you focus on the solution, the more you identify as a finisher, the more you open yourself up to different ways to achieve a goal, right? Because if you set a goal and you take action towards achieving that goal and maybe you don't get it done, that doesn't mean you change the goal. It means you open up your mind to other methods to achieve it. And when it comes to limited thinking, where we place our focus is key. You know, in the past, when I set a goal, I would give my full attention to the outcome, right? For example, okay, I just had this baby and I wanna lose 30 pounds and I'm laser focused on that number, you know, weighing myself every single day. And as I'm taking different actions to achieve this goal, I'm still like dwelling on that number. I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to see a lower number every time I get on the scale. But the mistake I made there was I was so focused on the goal, it distracted me from being in the moment. One thing that I tell women that I coach in my fitness programs all the time, and if anyone who has done my fitness program is listening to this episode right now, you probably know what I'm going to say. Don't just focus on the goal, focus on the action required to achieve the goal. So what are some of the actions that we believe are required to achieve a fitness goal? Well, if you're trying to lose weight, you need to cut your calories, check. You need to drink your water, check. You need to exercise. You need to make sure that you're getting rest. You need to stretch, right? Common sense. We know these are important elements of a healthy fitness journey. But thinking outside of the box, what if you tried to do all of those things and you failed anyway? And you're thinking, well, this other person cut their calories and they exercised and they did all of these things. They achieved the goal. Why is it so hard for me to do these things? But thinking outside of the box, focusing on the action required to achieve the goal. You know, we hear this term blueprint. What's the blueprint for success? What's the blueprint to get out of debt? What is a blueprint to lose weight? And I don't believe in a blueprint. I believe in a you print. Your way is the right way. And it is your responsibility. It is your obligation to yourself to figure that out. What works for one person may not work for the next. You have schedules, you have genetics, you have physical limitations, many things that come into play. I've even gone through this in my own fitness journey where I knew I needed to eat healthy. I knew I needed to drink water. I knew I needed to exercise. But when I tried to do those things day in and day out, they were very hard. 
And naturally, when you're trying to do something new or you're going after an ambitious goal, yeah, you're going to experience resistance, but it was like depleting. Then I thought, let me look a little deeper. And you know, my own wellness journey has helped me create the foundations for my fitness program. And what I realized, it is not just about eating healthy, exercising and drinking water. It also has a lot to do with how you sleep. It also has to do with how you manage stress. It has to do with underlying medical conditions. It has a lot to do with your level of motivation. Because let's be honest, meal prep is not always fun. Exercising is not always fun. But can it be? I discovered it can. But this discovery required me to think outside of the box, to go beyond my limitations of what I thought it took to achieve a particular fitness goal. And this thinking outside of the box made me realize many things about my U-print, right? Not the blueprint, but what was right for me, my genetics, my body type, my lifestyle. Three really stand out to me. Number one, when you eat matters just as much as what you eat. Meaning there are ideal times of day where your body is absorbing more calories. So I was going through this cycle, y'all. And you may have gone through this before. You wake up in the morning super motivated, like I am going to eat healthy today. So you start the day, egg whites, turkey sausage, avocado, afternoon snack. Oh, you eating your nuts and your fruit. Then dinner time, it's a whole different story. You got a bowl of spaghetti, a slice of pizza, some french fries, and a gallon of ice cream because you done deprived yourself the entire day. And man, I was going through this cycle so good for my breakfast, my snack, and my lunch, and then things just fell apart in the evening. And I was doing the exact opposite of what I needed to do because I was so active during my daytime hours, in the morning, in the afternoon, and even in the early evening hours, but I was consuming less calories when I could have had those bigger meals and my body would have ran through those calories. But instead, I was trying to be quote unquote good during the day, ended up starving myself and being so hungry in the evening that I overate. I'm going to bed with all of these calories sitting on me and those sedentary hours did not give me the opportunity to burn those calories off. So when you eat matters just as much as what you eat. I always recommend three ideal times of day to consume the most calories, especially if you like carbs first thing in the morning. Why? Because you're coming out of a fast. Hopefully you're sleeping seven, eight hours a night. So your body first thing in the morning is ready to absorb that energy. Prior to exercise is another good time to consume more calories. About two, two and a half hours before your workout, you can utilize that food as fuel. The more energized you are during your workout, the more calories you burn, the more energy you have to lift heavier and give yourself the opportunity to build some lean muscle. Then the third time would be right after exercise because muscle is metabolically active. It requires calories to grow. So those three ideal times a day, first thing in the morning, before and after exercise. So even if you're exercising in the evening, if you have an intense workout, you should still aim to consume some lean proteins, healthy fats, and some complex carbohydrates, all right? Less Twizzlers and more leafy greens. The second thing I realized is that all activity counts. You know, I was reading an article and it was talking about weight gain as we age. Why do I have a fupa all of a sudden? Why am I growing wings? on my arms, like what is happening? What am I morphing into? And a lot of that has to do not necessarily with the fact that we're aging, but it has to do with us being more sedentary. You know, when you were in your 20s in college, when you're a teenager, even for many people in their 30s, you're just more active, you're moving around, you're hanging out with your friends, maybe you're traveling. 
in our 20s, if you went to college, you were walking around on campus, you were really super active, you were burning more calories. So as we age, it's important to stay active, move around. Simple things like daily walks in your neighborhood, taking a swim class, you know, house chores, just making sure that you're on your feet, that you're not sitting down most of the day. And the last thing was that uh, water consumption does not have to be boring. Ooh, y'all, water is so difficult to drink sometimes. It's not difficult to drink when you're really thirsty. And some people out there, they just love water. Um, For me, unless I'm super thirsty, it's not exciting to drink. But I went and researched the fruits and vegetables that have the highest water content. And that is another way to consume your water. Cucumbers, watermelon, apples, celery. All of these fruits and vegetables have high water content and they count as part of your daily water consumption. There's also ways to infuse your water with fruit to make it less boring. I ditched the gallon water jug and I replaced it with the different ways to consume water that worked for me. So those are just a few of my methods to think beyond the box, beyond the limitations and find new and creative ways to achieve my fitness goals that are not traditional, but still effective. And, you know, in addition to limited thinking being a barrier for us achieving our goals, sometimes self-doubt creeps in as well. Limited thinking, self-doubt, they cousins, sometimes they twins. It seems these two are always rolling together. And I have struggled with self-doubt in my life, still do to this day, every now and then. I wonder, "Mm, was I built for this? Do I need to fall back? Does this opportunity have my name on it or am I reading it wrong? And so knowing how to deal with self-doubt is really important for your progress, for your growth, for your self-confidence. One of the things that I recommend is magnifying the good. By default, it's super easy to dwell on past mistakes, right? Beat ourselves up for our failures or our shortcomings or wrong turns we have made. You can flip the script and give your full attention to magnifying the good, dwelling on past positive experiences. You know, I recently hired a business coach to help me with my online wellness program and to make sure that I was communicating my message about what I do and the services I offer properly. And my business coach is really big on being empathetic, telling my stories to connect with people on a very authentic level. And one exercise that he had me do was to recall all of the positive experiences in my life. And he told me to go all the way back to my childhood. So he was like, Maria, I want you to think of everything you've ever done that you are proud of. And I want you to write it down. And it was such a great exercise for me because I was thinking of times when I was in elementary school and my first grade teacher took me to every classroom because I was the only student that knew how to spell Mississippi. And I thought about when I was in high school and I got to go to Mexico City and help build a dental clinic out there. I thought about being a first generation college graduate, starting my business, becoming a mother, getting married. There were so many things that happened in my life that I really don't dwell on or recall often enough to build up my self-confidence. But man, them failures, baby, quick, quick. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about all the times I done messed up. All the times I lost money, all the times I made mistakes in my fitness journey, all the times I made a bad impression. But again, you have the choice to focus on things that make you feel good, to magnify those positive experiences in your life. And I would encourage anyone to do this, you know, write down all of those wonderful, proud moments in your life so that you have a recollection. So when you find yourself facing an obstacle or doubting yourself, 
you have yourself to reference for motivation. You ain't got to go on Instagram and look at somebody else making millions or losing weight or uh, building a business or getting to the goal. You have yourself. You have done many things in your life that you are proud of. So if you are struggling with self-doubt, remind yourself of what you're capable of. Also, what can you do presently? Set yourself up for small wins to create momentum. And one thing that I think really frustrates people, especially if you're trying to lose weight and if you're trying to lose a lot of weight, say if you want to lose 50 pounds, you are obsessed with these 50 pounds. You already are visualizing them beach photos and that new body. You thinking about the comments underneath the social media post. And I think it's great to have that aspiration, but it can be a distraction from what you need to do today, right now, in this very moment to get to that goal. Small wins create momentum. If you are trying to get out of debt and you say, I'm going to go this whole week and pack my lunch and not spend any money eating out. And then you look at your bank statements and you realize how much you saved. You're going to want to do it again. If you eat healthy for just one week, you only focus on the five, seven days ahead of you. And say, I'm just going to focus on these five or seven days. And you're committed, you're disciplined, you plan your meals, you plan your exercise routines, you're getting better sleep, maybe you're limiting your time on social media, you're removing those distractions, you're feeling stronger, you're feeling more energized, you're going to want to do it again. It's just like when you go to a mall, you know, those people be out there with the little samples, got the little toothpick in there, all tastes a little bit. They know it tastes good. They just need you to taste it. So you go and buy the whole entree. Small wins are constant motivational fuel. If anything, I hope this conversation encourages you to trust yourself, keep an open mind, think beyond the box, and believe in your ability to do great things. With that said, it is time for Tell Me More. Actually, time for me to tell you more. This is your chance to submit your mind, body, and business-related questions. And today's note comes from Vanessa via DM on Instagram. It says... Hi, Maria. I've gained about 15 pounds since the beginning of the pandemic, and I am so unmotivated to lose weight. I always feel tired, and when I finally do exercise, I'm out of breath and have a hard time completing my routine. Mm, Been there. What can I do? So it definitely seems like energy is the issue, and oftentimes people try to push through Um, Even though they are low on energy because in your mind you're saying, well, I got to exercise no matter what the circumstance. And if you are low on sleep, if you haven't had enough to eat, it is definitely going to impact your energy levels and how you're able to perform the exercise. So first thing I want you to do, Vanessa, is to log your meals and to log the number of hours that you are sleeping each night. Do that for about four or five days so that you can examine the trend. Because when we are going about our day, we can lose sight of the fact that we are malnourished or overeating or only sleeping three or four hours a night because you're go, 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 go. So definitely write those things down. And if your nutrition and your sleep is not on point, start there. If you are eating healthy and you are getting enough sleep, I would say your next step would be to make an appointment with your doctor to rule out any underlying medical condition. From there, I would say just take your time. Exercise can feel daunting when you know that you have to do it for 60 consecutive minutes, even 30 consecutive minutes. If you're deconditioned, you haven't worked out in a long time, or you're new to exercise, 15, 20 minutes at the beginning of the day, do it consistently and know what you're going to do. Are you going to do a 15-minute power walk or jog around your neighborhood? Are you going to lift weights for 15 minutes? Are you going to dance for 15 minutes? Know what that activity is and make a commitment to doing it every day for 15 to 20 minutes. 
Also, you want to look at your diet and omit foods that are draining your energy. You know, foods that are high in sugar can temporarily boost your energy, but the spike can often lead to a dip immediately afterwards. So foods that are known to increase fatigue throughout the day, sugary foods, white bread, baked goods, all in pastries, high caffeine drinks, heavily processed food like packaged snacks and potato chips. You probably don't like anything I'm saying right now, but yes, these foods will drain your energy. You may feel like you have a temporary burst in energy, but it will dip very quickly. So you want to swap those foods out with energy boosting options like oats, fruits, and vegetables, fresh fruits and vegetables, not the ones in the can, Um, almonds, eggs, healthy fats, and lean protein. So one or a few of these suggestions could change your situation for the better. So try them out and definitely keep in touch with me and let me know how it goes. And hey, if you want to submit your tell me more question, be sure to send it via DM on Instagram at Maria Moore, M-A-R-I-A-M-O-R-E. All right, in the words of DJ Khaled, another one. Yeah, that's a wrap for today's Mind, Body, and Business. But set a reminder to meet me right here for the next episode. In fact, make it a weekly ritual. When you go on your 30-minute walk, when you're cleaning the house or on that long commute, pull up that Mind, Body, and Business podcast and get a little feel-good energy in your system, all right? Until next time, be safe and always remember that every struggle is designed to strengthen you. I'll holla at you on the next episode of Mind, Body, and Business. Mind, Body, and Business is an Urban One Incorporated Reach Media production hosted by Maria Moore. Follow me at Maria Moore on all socials. Executive produced by Maria Moore. Supervisory podcast producer, Colby Kolb-Tyner. Sales partnerships, Sam Tatum. Integrated marketing and partnerships, Lori Flowers, Laura Lopez, and Brittany Jackson. Digital marketing, J.R. Davis and Tim Hall. Music produced by Jamal J. Soul Smith. Thank you for listening to the Mind, Body, and Business podcast.